Hello listeners, I'm Nay, and welcome back to another episode of the Focal Point podcast. Today I'm excited to be joined by Sabrina Bailey, the Global Head of Investment and Wealth Solutions at Refinitiv, a London Stock Exchange Group business. After attaining both her undergraduate and master's degrees from George Fox Universities, she began her professional career as an investment consultant at Towers Watson. Her career since then spans a variety of roles, from global health of retirement solutions and head of digital investments at Northern Trust Asset Management to U.S. Investments Defined Contribution Leader at Mercure, and finally her current position at London Stock Exchange Group, where she's been for around the last year and four months. A very warm welcome to the Focal Point. Sabrina, how are you doing today? Great, thank you. Glad to be here. And we're glad you're here as well. To kick things off, I've given a bit of an overview into your career, but I'd really appreciate if you could talk us through that a bit more. Obviously, I've just given a list of names and firms you worked at, but it'd be nice if you could connect the dots for our listeners and take us through a more personal insight of your career journey. Yes, absolutely. I grew up in a small town in Oregon, which is on the west coast of the United States. And growing up in that small town did not have any exposure to the financial industry. I didn't even know what a stock and bond was until I went to university. I was first exposed then to the investment industry with an internship in college working for Invesco Capital Management. And from there, my career journey, I started in the investment consulting industry. Then I moved into the asset management industry, followed by fintech and now data and technology. During this time, my career moves have really focused on opportunities that few other people were willing to take. And very few individuals are willing to step into that risk to see where a business can go. And that's how I ended up where I am today. That's an incredible journey. Thank you for that. I mean, of course, you've had the the unique position where you've moved across so many firms and such a variety of different roles within the asset management and wealth management sector. And yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. Thank you for that. And now... Moving on into sort of the role you work in now, what drew you to the technology aspect in particular of wealth management? The answer to this question actually ties to how I took on all the various roles previously. And it really became critical about 10 years into my career, I realized that not every opportunity was the same opportunity. And in particular, really came to a conclusion about the four reasons I look at the next opportunity, which is what actually drew me into the technology aspect of wealth management and investment management. And those four factors that I take that next opportunity are that it aligns with my purpose. And my personal purpose is to strengthen the financial stability for all people, communities, and economies globally. It aligns with my passion. I have a passion for leading diverse teams and complex organizations through a combination of direct and influential leadership. So what you'll find throughout my career is that if it aligned with my purpose and it aligned with my passion, I tended to take the opportunity. The two other components, though, are really important as well. The final two are it increases my knowledge. So starting as a researcher, moving to investment consulting, asset management, a fintech CEO role, all of these were highly dependent on technology and data to be successful. Joining LSEG stimulated my intellectual curiosity and increased my knowledge of data, back office securities processing, and platform solutions, which is really what attracted me to the role. And then increasing my network is the last one. In each career move I've made, there's been a new network of individuals to build relationships with and to help connect to others. And I'm a big believer that 
in particular, the finance and technology industry. While they may seem large, they're actually relatively small in terms of the financial services space. So that network becomes really important. So again, the four reasons I move in LSEG and my new role here aligned with all of these was it was in alignment with my purpose, in alignment with my passions, increased my knowledge and increased my network. Thank you for that insight. I think our listeners can definitely learn a lot from that, especially given that obviously a lot of our listeners are university students. And now moving on again into the role you work in, what would you say are the most important skills that someone needs to succeed within wealth management? Yeah, within wealth management, and I would argue actually any industry. So if folks are looking in the financial industry, wealth management and asset management, there's always the foundational knowledge, knowledge of the industry itself that becomes critical. And in order to succeed, you have to have that foundational knowledge that ties back into passion, understanding what your passion is. So again, mine is financial wellness of people and being able to tie that career to the passion is really important. The other three skills though, actually that I believe help people succeed regardless of field, which is important, are integrity, intellectual curiosity, and humility. And I say that because you can learn the technical skills in any industry, in any organization. And most individuals, especially at the university level, have a passion for learning. If we think about then the integrity as the foundation upon which a career is built, the reality is that integrity is really the actions that align with your words. And individuals who operate with high integrity are willing to talk about the reality of the situation, tell the truth even when the truth is hard. And that sets individuals apart in the industry and actually any industry, but specifically in wealth and asset management. It really helps people stand out from early on in the career. The second being intellectual curiosity. Knowledge is the only thing that no one can take from. I should say integrity is too. So knowledge and integrity are the two things people can't take from us. That knowledge and that intellectual curiosity to continue to learn is highly critical in fast-paced changing environments. The wealth and asset management space is one of those environments today. With the democratization of wealth, the move of asset managers into the wealth management space, the expansion of global access with technology, the industry is changing. And so that intellectual curiosity also allows individuals to stand out and really succeed in the field. And then the final piece is humility. C.S. Lewis put it best when he said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And having that humility, thinking of others first, actually truly does make you stand out from the rest of the group that's in an organization, in a business, in a field. It builds your reputation and folks can't take that reputation from you. So again, let's say the most important skills outside of the technical knowledge, which anyone can learn if they're passionate about their field, are integrity, intellectual curiosity, and humility. Thank you for that. That's some incredibly valuable advice there. And I agree, definitely transferable across all industries and probably like all aspects of life as well. Moving on now. In your opinion, what would you say is the most rewarding part of working within digital solutions? The most rewarding part is the pace of change. I I love change and being able to work as part of digital solutions in a fast paced environment that's constantly changing, but really focused 
and align with my personal purpose in terms of enhancing the financial financial wellness of all people is the most rewarding part of my work. And what's really important, if I look throughout my career, it's easy to say when I was a data analyst coming straight out of university, what am I doing in the industry? Why did I get a degree from a university just to sit at a computer and retype in data for eight hours a day? The reality is, though, every piece of data I put into that database actually spit out a report that was an investment report for one of our end customers. And our consultants were making decisions based on that data. And it helped me realize that while I may see it as putting data into a database, the reality is it affected decisions that impacted truly millions of people. I continue to highly, highly value everybody in this organization because within digital solutions, with things changing so quickly, we have to rely. And honestly, our business business is driven by all of the people who are doing the work each and every day to ensure we have the right data to make the right decisions for our clients, which then impacts the financial wellness of people across the globe. That's a really interesting perspective. Thank you. And now I'd like to talk a bit more about London Stock Exchange Group. It'd be really interesting to hear about what you make of the culture there and how, I suppose, you've noticed the culture change as you've changed firms. Like, what have you noticed between the firms that you've moved through? What what differentiates them? When I I look at... LSEG's culture, I would say that our culture is evolving because London Stock Exchange purchased Refinitiv just over a year ago. And with the coming together of two large organizations, it's very similar to putting two large families together. There's always a difference in how those families operate. It's the same with organizations. So the culture that we're setting is evolving and will continue to evolve. Our CEO, David Schwimmer, says this all the time, it'll continue to evolve for at least the next couple of years as we determine what is the new culture of LSEG. I would say though, overall, our culture here is really focused on three pillars and this is part of what attracted me to the organization itself. The first is connecting because our customers expect us to show up as one company and create genuine connections with them. And those connections really need to be purposeful, sincere and active in service to our customers. The second is creating opportunity. So we've got a culture focused on creating opportunity through curiosity and focused innovation. We've got a culture that creates opportunity to challenge the status quo, which is a great place to be. And then the third key pillar of our culture here at LSEG is delivering excellence. And we can only deliver excellence to our customers by holding ourselves and each other to the highest standards with honesty and optimism. Those three pillars help define who we are. So again, it's connecting, creating opportunity and delivering excellence as the core foundation. I like to describe it like this. When individuals are looking to move an organization, many individuals look to move because they believe the grass is greener on the other side. The culture's better, there won't be barriers to execution, Whatever the case may be, they tend to be leaving something versus moving towards something. And those are two very different ways to look at organizations. The reality is the grass isn't greener anywhere at any organization. It's just brown in different places. When they aligned with my passion and purpose, honestly, the other big component was aligning with values. And so each of the cultures all had integrity as one of their core values as an organization. 
And that's what attracted me to those organizations. And again, each was a bit different in terms of some were more innovative than others. Some had a different structure in terms of how teams work together. But all in all, I have been extremely blessed to work for really strong organizations. And I've never made a career move that was running away from an organization. I was actually moving towards my next opportunity. And I really encourage, especially folks at the university level or newer to their career, to think about career opportunities in that way. That's really interesting to hear. Thank you. I mean, it's great to hear that that the culture ties so much into the purpose of London Stock Exchange Group. On the subject of industry trends, I wanted to hear a bit more about your opinion on what you think is the most exciting trend set to shape the wealth management industry within the next decade. Personalization, the ability to personalize portfolios towards an investor's goal is a trend that started, let's call it almost a decade ago, but the technology we have today to execute on it is much stronger. And I think it's a trend we should continue to watch. The question though is, To what extent do you give up privacy for that personalization? Each individual has their own preference on how private they want to be. I'm a little more cautious about what personal information I'm giving to who and how it's going to be used. So when you think about individuals, personalization is going to become an individual game. What the industry needs to figure out is what is the minimum amount of data we need to truly get the best investment portfolios to wealth investors in the coming years. So that's a trend I'm excited to continue to watch. That trend actually ties into the next two as well. So the second is sustainable investing or environmental, social, and governance focus in terms of investments. A vast majority of investors globally are now familiar with sustainable investing. So if you're looking to invest in a portfolio, that focuses on minimizing the climate change impact. You can do that today. I think we'll be able to do it in a more meaningful way as these regulations start to define what type of reporting the industry needs to see. And this ties back to personalization. So what are your personal goals in terms of impact on either the environment or on society or on governance structures. And for governance, think about it as women on boards, for example, having at least 50% of women on boards or minority-owned businesses. These will become important parts of how people think about the impact of their portfolio above and beyond just investment return. Looking forward to watching that trend. And it's a very exciting trend because I think we can both do well in terms of financial stability and do good for the economy if we're purposeful about how we invest. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I believe you're the co-founder of Grow for Hope, which is an initiative that focuses on empowering women through education and empowerment. And of course, you're clearly a big advocate for women's empowerment and supporting women's rights. And I want to talk more about, obviously, as women within an industry, which is, I think, finance is generally known for being, having a bit more of a boys club image, unfortunately. How have you seen this industry evolve in terms of inclusion and diversity? Yes. So the industry still, it was the last stat I saw, and I think this was from 2020, just to be clear, but was 13% women in leadership in the finance industry. When you combine finance and technology, it's even lower. And in terms of diversity and inclusion, I've got so many stories about being a woman. So you're right. 
there was less emphasis put on how people acted or what they said when I started in this industry over two decades ago. For example, I was asked to stay behind at an office as a senior leader to answer phones because our women, our clients preferred to hear a woman's voice on the end of the line. I was fired from a client because they thought I should be at home taking care of my family, not working. I've got so many examples, a ton of examples of things that I have had to walk through as a female. It becomes even worse when you combine ethnic diversity with gender and I am really passionate about creating an environment where people succeed. The good news is the industry's come a long way in at least recognizing that we need to focus on diversity and inclusion. I would say we have a really long way to go. I just got in my email inbox an article late last week tied to the finance industry that noted if you can take men's strengths in the industry, such as strategic thinking, and combine them with women's strengths, such as empathy, then you'd have a stronger leadership team. And what really bothers me about that is that strategic thinking was clearly identified in an article written last week as a male leadership characteristic. And that just isn't the case. I would also argue empathy isn't a female characteristic. Empathy is the characteristic of a strong leader. And we've got to do more in terms of the way we use language and how we continue to increase recognition of this unconscious bias that comes out in how we write, how we interact, and what we do. So when I think about future actions that will have the greatest impact in the financial and technology space, it's increased sponsorship, being the voice of the underrepresented in the room when they aren't there, and ensuring that they have opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have. Providing the same opportunity is the second one. So It's well documented in a number of studies that men are given opportunities for promotion for a role they haven't done before, and women and minorities are not. In order for women and minorities to have those opportunities, they have to prove that they've done it before. Or the feedback will be, well, we're really looking for someone who's done this, had this experience, but then they hire a non-diverse candidate who doesn't. So we've got to start providing the same opportunity for women and minorities when considering them for a promotion or new role. We also need to have the same expectations of everyone in the workforce in terms of how we operate. I'm a big believer that individuals have individual personalities. We all have areas of strength and development. We all have ways in which we're different than one another. We each have our own personalities. So I think it's really important that we stop having this expectation that men and women fill certain spots and just recognize that each individual, man, woman, non-binary, are truly an individual. And with each individual comes with strengths and weaknesses. And then finally, proactively calling out unconscious bias. So just being ruthless about acknowledging that unconscious bias exists. It's called unconscious bias because people really don't mean to say something that's offensive. And as soon as the unconscious becomes conscious, people start catching it and we're going to see the industry moving forward. So those are the four areas, increased sponsorship, providing the same opportunity, having the same expectations and proactively calling out unconscious bias that I believe will truly continue to shift our industry in the future. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. It's absolutely shocking what you've had to endure as a woman within the industry and 
I think it's important that those stories are heard because of course sexism does still infiltrate industries to this day, which is so unfortunate given the day and age we live in. And you're so right about individuality. It's, it's so black and white to characterize a certain trait like strategic thinking into a solely male sort of characteristic. And thank you for sharing those four things that you've said are, you know, we should change things we should pick up on. And it's great to hear that you've been championing change, for example, through that charity. And now just to wrap things up, what is there any advice that you would give to our listeners who are university students? The advice I would give is start to think about the key values that you want to drive within an organization or that are important to you and then define those values. And I would also say, think about how you're gonna stand out relative to the crowd. And often again, those aren't, that's not in the technical knowledge you have, although that is part of it. It's really about how you show up each and every day. And again, if you show up with humility, if you show up with a focus on serving others, if you show up with intellectual curiosity, being willing to seek other perspectives, challenge your own, if you show up with passion for what you do every day and that ability to connect the dots, as I talked about, from data entry to servicing millions of people. And then if you have the perseverance to lead with strength, no matter what comes your way, because the one thing that I know for sure is everybody will face challenges. Those challenges will look different, but you can choose your attitude around those challenges and choosing a positive attitude produces perseverance required. When combining those things, humility, service, curiosity, passion, and perseverance, you will by nature stand out from the crowd. That's some really brilliant advice. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's something that anyone, let alone university students, can really, really take on board and, you know, implement within their lives. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Sabrina. And thank you to all of our listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.